0: This is the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: It's just a matter of proving
0: that I, that I deserve it and and taking advantage of it. So um, I'm going to try to do that and try to you know make it a permanent thing.
1: Tonight's a big opportunity for that gentleman, Sam Bennett, getting the shot he's been hoping for. Since, well, going back to last season and certainly since training camp got underway, well, we talked to him at the golf tournament a few weeks ago, kind of the official kickoff of the season. He joined us and and talked a couple of times about how much he wants to take on a bigger role, bigger offensive role for this team knows that he isn't just going to be gifted that, but wants to get the opportunity, if given the opportunity, wants to make sure that he can prove that he can take on a larger offensive role for this team. Well, good preseason. I think Sam Bennett had one of the more impressive preseasons for forwards. He's looked really good, really strong in a pair of regular season games. I quite liked him in that game Thursday in Denver. I thought that he was a difference maker on Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks as well. And I'm really interested to see what he does with this opportunity. He's one of the three Flames players that uh, I pinpointed and and, and I'm looking at, I think he's got a big chance of taking a significant step forward as an offensive player just based on what he was able to accomplish last year what he's done uh, the last couple of years and 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 based on the opportunity and I feel like if Bennett can continue on the track that he's been on then we can see a little bit of a bump in terms of his offensive numbers and and well I'm not sure if you uh, if, if you see it the same way but I do know this, in terms of in terms of high danger scoring chances, nobody on the Flames has been able to create them at a higher rate than Bennett has when he's been on the ice. That doesn't mean that he's created more of them, but compared to his ice time, nobody does more with his ice time in terms of quality opportunities on his stick than Sam Bennett has done the last couple of years. He's led the team in that category each of the last two years. About just under 40 percent of the shot attempts that he has taken uh, going back to last season uh, just under 40 percent of them are high danger chances which is a really high number and a really impressive number and now that he's playing in an enhanced role I'm really curious to see if he can continue that trend and continue that rate and if if those chances stay at the same rate or in the same range I think it's a pretty good bet you're going to start to see more points and more pucks go on the net. So I'm I'm fascinated to see what he does with this opportunity if he can stick on that line with Michael Backlund and Matthew Kachuk where he's going to play tonight and and I can see Sam Bennett being a top six player this year more so than I ever have in in his career I'm curious as to where you are on Bennett who gets that opportunity tonight
0: well I don't really have a ton to add you certainly laid a lot of things out there so I I guess we'll start with the opportunity on playing out that second line I think it's a great chance To play with Kachuk and Backlund. I think if you go back even to when we we talked to him at the golf courses you mentioned, then as training camp went on, storylines developed, it was certainly a guy that you heard a lot of people talk about was Sam Bennett. Now, part of that obviously tied to the Matthew Kachuk absence and his contract holdout. But everyone was talking about Sam Bennett. And I think a lot of that obviously talk was, was. born or began in that five-game playoff series against, uh, against the Avalanche, where for a lot of people, he was their best skater, and I think Mike Smith was their best player, but their best skater, certainly you could put Sam Bennett right in that category, in that five-game disappointing playoff uh, defeat at the hands of the Avalanche. So he's built off that. The coaching staff has obviously loved where his game has grown, um, loved the way he came into camp, and he's getting this chance now, and and I do think Part of that is, and I know you get it to it later in this segment, so I don't want to delve too much into it, but I think part of the the chance he's getting is the coach's mistrust or the coach's um, dislikes probably a, a strong word, but certainly, um, you know, wanted to move Michael Frolik down in that lineup. And, and Bennett's a guy who gets rewarded, and again, I think he's earned that based on how many people have been talking about him since, uh, since training camp. So, yeah, looking forward to it. I still don't know for me, like I – I want to see more, and and Pat, the high danger chances are great, but chances are chances, and they don't result in goals all the time. So obviously, you want to keep creating them. I would love mm-hmm. to see more more points for him, but he has not gone over thirty points since four years ago. Um, I just maybe it's maybe it's ignorant, but I, I just don't know where he is as a player or as a, an offensive uh, piece for this team. Does he belong in the top six? Sure. But I could not tell you what that ceiling looks like offensively because, yeah, part of it is we haven't seen it for an extended period of time. But the other part of it is I, I just don't know if that's his game in the NHL. I just don't know if we're ever going to see him be, you know, that 50 to 60 point yeah. guy in the NHL.
1: Well, and and you know what? To that point, if we don't see it this year, like if, if he's going to be given this opportunity, again, he's going to play on a line with Michael Backlund and Matthew Kuchuk tonight. And if if we don't see him have that breakout season offensively this year then then maybe maybe we're starting to get to the point where it doesn't happen and and you know that's fine he's still an NHL player and and he's really gotten a whole lot more comfortable in his role as an NHL player where he doesn't need to put up points and he doesn't need to be the leading scorer on the team to feel like he's having a contribution and he's making an impact. So maybe that maybe that offensive breakthrough doesn't happen, but I feel like if it is going to happen, it's going to be this year because I think he's played well enough to get that chance and to potentially find himself in a top-six role. And we talked about this going back to the preseason even because we all knew Matthew Kachuk was going to sign at some point. We all knew that he was going to be back in the fold at some point, whether it be to start the regular season or not. So we knew that that opportunity for Bennett on a line with Backlund and Froelich was going to be temporary. But if he could impress in that role and if he could... Show that he belonged and could make an impact. Then it would help if, at some point, injury happened in the regular season or a shakeup needed to be needed to happen that they would feel comfortable popping him up there. Well, it just so happens that the shakeup happens two games into the season. They haven't liked what they've seen from Frolik, and we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But here's that opportunity for Bennett and i think the fact that he was able to show well with them in the preseason has allowed him to get this opportunity but you're right we haven't seen it we we've seen him play in top six roles at times before and it's not like the offense has popped off the page so you're right i mean those and and a texter writes in as well pat the, those high danger chances that's great but where have the goals been and it's fair they haven't been there, and you can create those chances all you want, but you got to score them too. So I, I'm with you. Like, I, I still don't know exactly what he is. I just feel like if there's going to be a breakout offensive season, this one seems like this season seems like it would be the best chance for it to happen if that makes any sense at all.
0: For sure. Just haven't seen it yet, and and there haven't even, as you talked about, the tail end of your your. Uh, your thoughts there. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, has had this chance before, and it's not like, oh, my God, he's got five points in eight games. There has never been that kind of stretch for him. So, uh, again, I don't know what his ceiling is. And to me, as you talked about how, you know, you think he's ready to stick in a top six role more now than than ever in his, you know, his career before. I I agree, but you also can't have a guy like that, to me anyways, in your top six if you're going to be a competitive team. And not produce points. So, um, you know, if you're going to be a top six guy, in my opinion, in this league nowadays, you've got to be at least a a 50-point guy. And I just don't know if we're going to see that there. Now, obviously, not everyone in your top six gets 50 points. Otherwise, you'd be scoring a lot of goals. But you, you get what I'm getting at. And I think we need to see that from Bennett before I'm ready to say, okay, yes, this guy is a bonafide top six forward.
1: Well, and it's also important important to point out that in fewer games, Michael Froelich was a more productive player than Sam Bennett was last year. So we know what Froelich can be on that line. And and I think in his four years as a member of the Flames, Froelich has done exactly what they targeted him for. They targeted him to be a good, solid two-way winger who can take on defensive responsibility against top players. He's done that virtually every single game as a member of the Flames, and they brought him into add with a little bit of secondary scoring and he's done that so you know he had the one bad year offensively uh, a couple of years ago but otherwise three of the four years he's been a nice add for uh, a secondary wave of scoring can Bennett do that in the same spot you're bang on we still don't know that I think he's got a good chance but that only goes so far yeah he's got a great chance this might be the year Well, you gotta do it and yeah diversifying a little bit although that toe drags worked a couple of times this year maybe he's worked on that uh over the years sam bennett uh over the offseason rather sam bennett gets the opportunity on a line with michael backland and matthew kachuk tonight one of the big time stories is calgary welcomes the los angeles kings tonight it is a seven o'clock face-off right here on sportsnet 960 the fan welcome to the program steinberg show is underway on this tuesday afternoon uh some texts on the Glen Moratti fan feedback text line before we get to the actual uh, lineup this evening um I think Bennett's better than a bottom six player, yet not quite a top six. I'm interested to see if Manjapani gets a shot on the Backlund-Kachuk line at some point, too. And I still feel like, to that text point, I still feel like Manjapani, his, his skill set, what he is as a player, I still wonder if he's not a better fit long-term on a line with Backlund and Kachuk. Right now, I think Bennett's earned the opportunity, and I'm curious to see what he does with it. But I wonder, and thats I've just said nothing but good things about Bennett. It has nothing to do with him. I just wonder if Manjapani's skill set and the way that he thinks the game might fit better with those two uh, down the road. But uh, tonight is going to be Bennett. Um, I suspect the story will be no different from last season. Bennett gets his usual cup of tea with the second line. The chemistry isn't there, and Froelich will come back up and score on his debut with the 3M line again. That comes from Mike. Uh, This, the 3M line continues. Mike, Matthew, and a mustache. Uh, It's a stretch, but you know what? I'll, I'll let it fly. Um... Bennett could be on that line to jump in if the Kachuk stuff gets out of hand tonight. That's a good point, because a lot of people are wondering if there's going to be any of that. Uh, Same wavelength from Luke. Bennett also adds a little grit to that line when the line brawl breaks out. Uh, I don't know if... um, Guaranteeing a line brawl is the way I'm going to go. I certainly will be interested when uh, both welcome eight, to China when number eight white and uh, number nineteen red are on the ice surface at the same time together. I'll be quite interested. I don't know if I see a line brawl breaking out, but that's certainly something that uh, I'll have my eye on. Welcome to the program. It is the Steinberg Show on a Flames game day. Calgary and the Los Angeles Kings, seven o'clock face-off. We're on the air at six o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Uh, this game on. Sports Sportsnet 960 on the radio, Sportsnet West on television. What can we tell you about tonight's lines and lineups? We can tell you the goaltending matchup. David Riddick starts his third consecutive game for the Flames, coming off a 34-save shutout on Saturday night. On the L.A. side, Jack Campbell first off the ice at practice this morning. He'll get his first start of the season. Jonathan Quick allowed six goals in his first game for a tidy 6.21 goals against uh, to start his season. Of course, one-game sample size little bit small, but Jack Campbell who had himself a really nice year last year at the Kings. 928 save percentage he went 10-14-1. Once he was brought in though, really started to show the Kings something. So I, I can understand Quick getting the night one start. He's the incumbent. He's the guy who's been there for the longest time but he doesn't play so well. You've got a guy like Campbell there too. He'll start this evening for LA. Lines for Calgary. Uh, Monaghan between Gaudreau and Lindholm. Backland with Bennett and Kachuk as we told you. Derek Ryan playing with Milan Lucic and Andrew Mangiapane. Mark Jankowski, Tobias Reeder, and Michael Froelich will then slot in on the right side of that line. D-pairings the same, Giordano Brody, Hannafin Hammonick, and the third pairing, Shillington and Anderson. So we just talked about Bennett, Mr. Nault. What's going to happen with Michael Froelich? Because... I think it's pretty clear that he and head coach Bill Peters do not see eye to eye or or are not on the same page. They haven't been going back to last season. I think in the second half of the year, Froelich, Backlund, Kachuk was put together as a line more as default than anything else. I don't think that was the preferred way Bill wanted to go about it, but there just never seemed to be a better fit. I still think there's a potential that this year too, but it felt like he always wanted something different there, but never found something that actually worked. So going back to Frolic was the way that it ended up. Like, I still think Frolic is a very effective NHL player, and I fully am aware first two games have not been very strong. I thought that he had one of his worst games as a member of the Flames that Thursday night in Colorado. But it's clear that there's there's not a, um, necessarily a mesh with the coach in him. And, and as much as I think Froelich can still be a useful player and can still play a useful role on that line, I'm also realistic. I, I can see writing on the wall and knowing the Flames are in desperate need of clearing salary space and knowing that here's a player that's on a final year of a contract and they feel uh, is replaceable. Yeah, I, I can absolutely see a trade involving leak in the very near future happening. and They might have to eat part of that $4.3 million salary to make a trade happen, but I I don't think I don't think it would surprise anyone well if if in the next few weeks we saw a deal that involved Frolik going somewhere else because it just seems like the writing's on the wall in that regard.
0: Yeah, and I think all due respect to uh to Michael Frolik and where things are at, I, I think Pat you've got no choice but to eat half of that salary. I don't know if you can trade him at all without eating money. So, you know, it might not be a full half, but you're certainly going to have to eat Part money of it, right? on that deal. There's no way you're clearing that entire 4.3, at least not in my opinion, for a guy who's 31 years old and right now playing in your fourth line. So I know you can get traded somewhere and be in their top six, but just I don't think you're trading that entire salary. So you're going to have to eat it, but you're right. I, I think uh, their cap situation... The clear um, misconnect with the coach. I, I, I don't think it's any secret this team would like to move on from Microfalique. But at this point, um, I, I think he's going to be here for a little while. I don't know when that trade does happen. Um, but you're right. The sooner they do trade him, the, the more cap space they can build up towards that trade deadline. So... Um, I think this team would love to have some room. I I think they would love to have some room to to add at the deadline, and uh, trading for a leak would certainly be um, part of that. So we'll see what happens. But right now, they've got no choice but to ride things out.
1: Well, and as of right now, the Flames would not be able to add anything of significance to the trade deadline even if they you know, even if they stick with this same roster the rest of the year and bank cap space every day until the deadline. Their projected deadline cap space is just over seven hundred thousand dollars. Right now they're at a hundred and fifty four or yeah. whatever it is. Um but, you know, if they accrue the daily cap space up until the deadline, that's still not really a significant addition at all. And and this is not a team that is in the, you know, out looking to trade someone out on their active roster and bring someone back in. They're looking to add. So, I think that they're going to need to move a Jankowski, going to need to move a Leak if they're going to want to have the amount of cap space available come February for them to actually be able to add someone. So that's why that's why I think it's important to underline, you know, in the somewhat near future, if one of these deals happens, I think they they would like it to happen as soon as possible because the more time you can be, say that they, let's just say for the the hypothetical conversation that we're having, let's just say for the sake of this conversation, they. A trade for trade league can do eat half of that salary, so that's what, 2.15 that they would be saving on their salary cap. So you add that 2.15 to the one hundred and fifty fourth that they're already under the cap, so you're like, okay, you're 2.3 under the cap, and then you start banking the daily cap space percentage on that.
0: Well, you'd you'd have to call somebody. that would actually be like one point seven because you'd call a seven hundred thousand dollar player.
1: Sure, off, right? sure, okay, good point. So you call up Quine or or Dubey or whoever you'd bring up. So yeah, so you're you're accruing the cap space on one point seven. Good point. So, but even still, the amount that you're going to be accruing in the percentage that it counts come February on one point seven under the cap as opposed to uh, one hundred and fifty under the cap is significant, right? So that's that's why I think underlining near future is pretty important in this conversation too yeah and i just i don't i think it's gonna be tough
0: uh texter writes in about you know he wouldn't be a top six on the contending makes too much bringing depth i i think with a lot of cap situations around the league pat it's gonna be really tough to to find a trade partner and you can bet that bad living's already started doing that so don't know where you're going to be able to deal them but no doubt that would be their preference for sure
1: your thoughts on david riddick getting the start tonight uh, i no like brainer it. for me it and i know that I, I don't get that... the
0: I don't get the Talbot talk I mean to me it's a divisional game he's coming off a shutout you had two games before or sorry two days before the the game tonight um, for me it was almost automatic I think Talbot gets in one if not two on this three game road trip and, and you move on so um, I, I thought based on the way Riddick played preseason uh, the way he played in Saturday's game against Vancouver and I thought Lou brought up a great point at noon it's not like the flames are, are overly comfortable with where their team team game is at right now if they're playing unbelievable as a group right now I think it's maybe easier to have that conversation but until they get their team game figured out because you listen to Bill Peters they don't feel they're there yet Mm -hmm. um I, I think Riddick was the easy answer tonight and I would expect Talbot to play for sure in one game on this road trip but wouldn't be surprised if it's two either
1: I just, like, at this stage of the game, and I know that there was a a field, okay, well, L.A. is one of the worst teams in the league. You put Talbot in there, then you can go back to Riddick. And, look, I think Talbot is still going to start one of every three, one of every four games. But if they really want to establish Riddick as a number one goalie that can play 55, 60 games this year, Well then you can't not let him start after he played so well on Saturday with a two day break in between. Like it just it wouldn't have made any sense. So the plan might all the the plan might have been to get Talbot his first start on other you know, in in other scenarios, but after Riddick played as well as he did against the Canucks, you kind of have to go back to him, and and yeah, I think it's the right call, and and if it's going to be one of every four, well, this is just game number three, and nothing Riddick has done through two games, nothing that he showed in the preseason, leads me to believe that he shouldn't be the guy clearly at the top of the depth chart and that's not a knock on the way Talbot has played or what Talbot could do but Riddick's the guy. Riddick is the younger guy, he's the guy that they uh are looking at investing in and he's the guy that could be the number 1 goalie for this team for quite some time. And if they want to establish that and if they want him to be that this year, you had to start him tonight and and I'm so I'm I'm glad they're doing that. So uh we'll see how he responds. Very good performance on Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks. He was, and again, the I don't number think, one star. I
0: don't think he's this, you know, this mentally soft. But I, you know, if you are David Riddick and you come off a shutout and your team's trying to establish, he's the number one. You get sat down the game next game. Don't you think that's like a little weird? I think if you are a guy like uh, like Riddick and you are coming off a shutout and you know your team wants you to be the next number one. And you get sit sat down after that. I, I don't. I just don't know. Again, I yeah. don't think he's that mentally soft, but uh, I don't know if you want to start him. You know, the thinking game that early on.
1: Yeah, and and you're right. That's also it would be a really interesting message to send early on this season. Um, what interests you about the Los Angeles Kings, Will? Yep, that's about the same answer that I would have. Oh, sorry. Was, is... was
0: I supposed to answer there?
1: <laughs> well, if you don't have an answer, because I didn't expect you to have one. I mean, I was like, still thinking. This team is an absolute shadow of its former self. Like, the LA Kings... Were the Western Conference powerhouse for a number of years, like it was Chicago and Los Angeles, and you could bank on one of those teams going to a West Final, you could bank on one of those teams playing in a Stanley Cup final, like you just knew l a and Chicago for the better part of a half decade, if not more, were going to be those teams, and you know they won their Stanley Cups in that run and now all of a sudden this LA Kings team has has done what a lot of teams do when they go through a really nice championship window, and that is come crashing back down to earth because of age and some of the salaries that have been given out. And, and, and I think that if you're a Kings fan, you're okay with it because you saw your team win two Stanley Cups, but I don't think, I don't think that it makes it enjoyable knowing that your team is probably going to be fighting right near the basement of the Western Conference. This year, I just there are a lot of players on this Kings team that you look at and say, I'm not overly familiar with him. And when you have that mixed with a bunch of players that are at this point now past their prime dates playing in this league. It's why not very many people have high expectations for them this season. It's, they're going to need they have a, a lot, lot of, guys, of things to go right.
0: Well, they have a lot of guys I'm not familiar with, but certainly guys that, you know, are not what they used to be. I think you're, Tell you're, me
1: about Tobias Bjornfott.
0: He's a first-round pick in 2019, made the team 22nd overall pick, guy they got uh, in the trade Tom from Jake Muzzin.
1: Blake Lazat.
0: Don't know that guy.
1: <laughs> Tell me about um, eh, Matt Roy.
0: I believe he's a guy who came up last year, played a few games for him. He did play
1: a couple games for him last year. Don't know how Um, high a
0: pick he was. He wasn't that high, seventh-round pick.
1: Sean Walker.
0: Uh, The kid from Australia.
1: Michael Amadio. Now I know he's played before but yeah, tell me. Yeah, heard
0: him before. I don't know where he's from but he's certainly... <laughs> that's,
1: that's my point. No, and I'm just... He...
0: You're obviously stretching to make a point. I, I, they're, not, I, they're not they're not, you know... They're, they're not the group they were. They're not the, you know, the Winnipeg Jet defense but um, they, they certainly are a team that have not been what they were. I think your opening statement was perfect. They're a shadow of what they used to be and the biggest concern of this entire roster for me and I know we've had conversations about this guy before but Pat, you've got Jonathan Quick for four more years at five point eight, and I don't know if you saw, but he allowed six, and his save percentage was eight oh nine in that game on Saturday in Edmonton. So, uh, yikes!
1: Yeah, not a uh, not a great start for Mister Quick. It's why I think last year tonight. Look, eight eighty eight. Sorry, Jonathan Quick was an elite goaltender for a good stretch of time, and I understand why you signed him to that deal. But now you look at it in four more years at $5.8 million. like, yeah, that's not going to look so good. It's it's not looking good right now. Um, Hey, but those banners in the rafters look good. The banners in the rafters do look good, and Quick was a huge reason why they were able to hang those banners. But a lot of the time, there are very few teams – that can win Stanley Cups and be in that type of window for as long as L.A. was. In a salary cap world, if you're a Stanley Cup contender for four or five years consecutively... It's almost a guarantee. Not in every circumstance. There are a few teams that have been able to work their situations better than others, but it's almost a guarantee that you're then going to have to, with the same players, go through some really painful times. Chicago's going through it, too, right now with their $10 million guys. So it's it's almost a guarantee, and the Kings are going through it right now. I will say there are some interesting players. Like, I... I Bjornfot is interesting, and he's a really highly touted Swedish player, and a lot of people like him. Uh, I was, I'm, I, I guess when you take a look at their D depth, you're not surprised that he made the team, but I don't know how many people right. were expecting that. And they got some interesting trade chips if they want to use them between now and the deadline, and, and I'm curious if they would use them. Adrian Kempe is an interesting player to me, but, yeah, this is uh, this is not the team they were. There's uh, no doubt about it. Things in town tonight for a 7 o'clock face-off. Uh, we're on the air at 6 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. But uh, We're continuing to tell you all about the Bow Valley Club as uh, we're coming to an end of our shape-up or ship-out promotion at the Bow Valley Club, uh, as we are telling you all about, okay, first of all, they're going to get you in shape, and they're going to, if, if you sign up with Raz or one of their other trainers, they're going to put together an outstanding program for you, and they'll go through it with you, and they'll work it with you, they'll give you a program when you're not able to work with them. That's that, That's the almost obvious stuff, but they're they're. One of the one of the best in the city. But on top of all the fitness stuff at uh, the Bow Valley Club, we're also talking about steam room, sauna massage acupuncture cupping osteopathy plus the private lounge the dining room the courtside bistro the wine club you gotta check them out at bowvalleyclub.com the bow valley club is Calgary's premier executive club the place for fitness dining and being social we'll give away a one month pass to the bow valley club later on this week and at the end of our shape up or ship out promotion we'll be giving away a one year membership at the bow valley club check them out again com. well five weeks officially in the books and in the NFL. That means the week six waiver wire is open. Got a couple of targets from a team that you usually wouldn't look at twice. Tell you about that next. As the Steinberg Show continues. Sportsnet 960, the fan. The
2: Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. Fifth Avenue Volkswagen is Calgary's new and pre owned Volkswagen destination, rated number one in customer service in Canada. More at fifthavvw.com.
0: Second down and eight. Garoppolo in the gun from the 21 to Cleveland. Gets the high snap, pulls it down, drops back three. Line drive down the middle. Caught. Back pedaling catch. Kittle in the end zone. Touchdown. 49ers. 22-yard strike with a laser right down the middle and caught in stride by the
1: backpedaling. San Francisco tight end at the goal line into the end zone for six. And the 49ers are still unbeaten. The Browns are still trying to figure things out. Welcome back to the Steinberg Show Thirty-one-three, your score last night. San Fran, one of just two unbeaten teams still standing. They're four and zero. The Patriots are five and zero. The Kansas City Chiefs were knocked out of that category when they lost to Indy on a Sunday night. But it's the Browns that I'm maybe more interested in than the 49ers. But let's let's start with San Fran. I'm. I, I'll I'll be honest with you. I w- during their three and zero start, I was very. Yeah, okay. I don't know if I'm buying this watching that game last night watching that offense last night and that defense is that specifically up front that defensive front four is no joke I'm starting to buy in on this San Fran team where are you on the Niners Will
0: You know what? I was completely bought out on them. I thought they were overrated. I didn't love the, I didn't kind of understand where all the the love was coming for this Niner group. They had struggled to really find their footing. And and I know some of that has been injuries, but it's not like Kyle Shanahan came in and did a lot of things that people thought he would do immediately. But now we're all starting to see it come forward. And, And I think the Niners should be credited with some of the. Patience they've shown to keep that uh, continuity inside that uh, inside that room, and you know the Niners look like a team right now that are the best team in the NFC West. I think the Rams, you know, last year looked like this offensive guru team, and you know you look at that game last night. I, I think Kyle Shanahan uh, put on a clinic when it came to coaching, and I think this Niner team is now the team to watch. In the NFC West, the division's very good, obviously, with Seattle and the start they've had. Uh, the LA Rams, still the LA Rams, despite a banged-up Todd Gurley. So um, I like where this Niners team is at, and I would be honest, a complete 180 to where I thought they might be uh, before yeah. the season even began. Because they looked real good last night, and, and I'll give you credit, Pat, I criticized you for your take on the Browns early, but I think you look at last night, Freddie Kitchens very much over his head. To me, as a rookie head coach with all that talent, their offensive line is horrendous, and uh, Baker Mayfield right now, for my money, is having the worst season amongst the uh, thirty-two quarterbacks, so um, they've got a lot of work to do. Despite looking impressive a week ago against the Ravens, but it's very clear, and I think Jason Lock and Forrest said as much to us yesterday when we asked him about the Monday night game on the on the morning show. You know, he said the Cleveland Browns looked good last week, but the Ravens don't have much of a pass rush, and when the Browns have faced a team with a good pass rush, that mediocre offensive line has had a real, real tough time. And we saw that last night with Mayfield going eight for twenty-two for hundred yards, two interceptions, and two oh, fumbles.
1: That is an awful quarterback line, like just terrible. Um, I don't think you're and wrong. Nick on Bosa was uh,
0: all in, all in his ear. I don't know if you heard this clip. I don't usually talk, but <laughs> this game, he had it coming. So, but he didn't say one word back. So, what'd you say? Just an example. I was just screaming his name,
1: like, Baker, (laughs) Baker, you good? Come on, pick it up. We want a challenge. (laughs) I have not heard that clip. That's good.
0: Come on, pick it up. We want a challenge.
1: (laughs) I mean, and if you're Baker, you're like, yep, I can't say anything back. I'm playing horribly, so I'm just going to put my head down and continue to take this verbal beating.
0: Bosa was on that Ohio State team when he stabbed the flag into the midfield logo, so – uh, I think Joey Bosa had some thing or uh, Nick Bosa, sorry, had some things on his mind yesterday.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, hey, good on him. Um so yes, I, I'm I still see it's funny because you you uh you didn't buy my skepticism of the Browns early on and that's fine. It's still there's still 2 and 3 like the season's anywhere like I can still see the Browns having a good year. My only point on Cleveland has been all along that until they show they're not the same old Cleveland Browns, I'm still going to look at them as the same old Cleveland Browns, and and I get the talent that's there. I I mean I think Nick Chubb is yeah they're not the Browns of old back. like they're they're, still they're not they're not the
0: but, Browns of old, but I think Freddie Kitchens is way in over his head, and I think their old line is really really poor.
1: And and what is Baker? I like they've had a lot of promising quarterbacks come through that organization that have been absolute bust in the end and I don't think that's going to be Baker but he hasn't been very good this year so my skepticism remains on the Browns but I I will fully admit that yeah I'm skeptical but I still see the reason why people look at them as a team that could be exciting and at two and three they are still very much in the mix in that mediocre division so it's not like a playoff Appearance is out of the question for Cleveland, especially if they can figure some things out. So we'll see. Uh, week five in the books, thirty-one-three San Fran over Cleveland yesterday. Let's get into it. The week six fantasy football waiver wire is open, and do we, do we, really, do we really have to? Uh, I'll I'll throw a couple of names at you um, because. <laughs> Especially in deep leagues, and and Will and I play in our Sportsnet 960 league with Pinder and Wills and and uh, the rest of the crew at the station. And our waiver wire is extremely thin on a week to week basis because we've got 14 teams, and it's a very active waiver wire. It's it's tough to find big names, but there are a few interesting targets that even in a deep league, I think that would still be available. Only owned in 20 per 21 percent of Yahoo leagues right now. I don't even think this guy needs to be talked about as a streaming option. Gardner Minshew is, like, this guy looks like he's for real. And, and what I like about him is that he's a gunslinger. He is willing to take risks. He's willing to push the ball down the field. From a fantasy perspective, Will, only owned in 21% of Yahoo leagues right now, Like Gardner Minshew is a really interesting target for me and not even matchup dependent at this point.
0: Yeah, he certainly is a bit of a gunslinger. Again, depends how deep your league is. But we just talked about Baker Mayfield. He's a way better option than Baker at this point. Uh, I think if you're in a 12-team league, he's probably right there in that top 12. Um, I I just don't love the Jags as a team. But, yeah, I think Minshew's a guy you can certainly look at, especially with that own percentage rate. And he's probably outplaying some of the guys you might already have on your team
1: other uh, quarterbacks that are not owned in a lot of leagues right now. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's under 10%. Kyle Allen's under 9%. Um, Andy Dalton's a little higher. He's in around 25% in terms of own rates right now. But Gardner Minshew, even in a 14 team league. Now, not a guarantee depending on how you structure things and how your GMs are, but still a chance that he'd be available there. Definitely in a 10 or a 12 he would uh, there'd be a chance for him. Uh, any, other, any other quarterback names or weeks six streams that jump off the page to you well
0: uh not really because i think we've mentioned all of them and again you know you look at guys like garoppolo Brissett, allen uh, matthew stafford they're probably owned in your league but i would look at you know options like that but again when the own percentages are north of 50 you're probably not looking at uh at the right spots andy dalton is a guy that i would look at only because he throws it a thousand times a game but I don't love, obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals, and and their schedule isn't the best upcoming in Baltimore on Sunday. Jacksonville, LA Rams, and then a bye. So it's not like you're looking at him as a a long-term situation or a long-term fix. So, um, no, I I think Gardner Minshew is probably the only guy on that. And, yeah, his own percentage rate is probably in the low 20s of your league. So take a peek.
1: Let me throw a couple of names on one of the worst teams in the NFL at you. Uh, specifically for week six, but not even just for week six. There are a couple receivers on the Miami Dolphins that I think you might be able to get some value out of, and because the Dolphins have been so bad and have been kicked in the teeth so often this year, I don't think very many fantasy GMs are looking at Preston Williams or Devonta Parker at all, and I think both are interesting pickups, and and even more so in week six, because I think there's a chance that Washington might be worse than Miami. Uh, I think there's a very good chance, in fact, that Washington's a worse team than the Dolphins are, so... As such, you've got a Swiss cheese defense, a Swiss cheese secondary, I can absolutely see Williams and Parker, specifically Williams. He leads the Dolphins in targets. He leads the Dolphins in catches. The quarterback is throwing to him. in In the last two games, he's had his eye on Williams quite a bit. I, I like Preston Williams is one of the more interesting receiver pickups in week number six for and and we're talking about less than seven percent ownership rate in a lot of Yahoo leagues right now. So I uh, I've got my eyes on Preston Williams in a big big way, especially if we're running into bi-week trouble in week six
0: yeah and he's a guy who had a connection with Josh Rosen going all the way back to the preseason he has certainly had a uh, a decent college career that was derailed by some legal issues but he was a guy that was highly recruited going into college uh, and I think because the Dolphins are such a bad team this year they're gonna let the rookie go out there and and take his lumps in garbage time and um, he might be a guy you look at because they are going to be down in a lot of games as a guy that you know could be a starter or a flex option for you going forward. So yeah, I would say say he's probably the leading candidate when it comes to uh, um, you know deep reaches in leagues. And you, know, you look at guys like Mohamed Sanu, who's probably picked up in your league. You talked about Deontay Johnson last week with Pittsburgh. So yeah, I think if you're going to dig deep this week, he would be the guy for me.
1: Uh, any other names that uh, like there's. Where are you on, on former Edmonton Eskimo Duke Williams? First oh, yeah. touchdown for the Buffalo Bills. One, I like it. One
0: touchdown. They don't really score lots, so I'm good. I don't
1: think he's big on my list. Uh, Fantasy Pros has him as the number seven waiver wire pickup, but I, I, I'm more interested in Byron Pringle because of some of the injuries in Kansas City. Uh, Watkins went down. They're already without Tyreek, so... Pringle in, in Mahomes' offense I think turns into a really interesting Because you know, as, even as a 2-3 receiver in that KC Offense, you can get some You can get some looks, you can get some touches So again, if you're running into bye week trouble uh, Pringle in KC is interesting um, I think the terms of running backs, there's not a lot of interesting ones out there.
0: I'll throw um, a name out there for you. Gerald, yeah. Ever- Gerald Everett, or, uh, tight end for the L.A. Rams, this is a guy I've got a big eye on because tight end is such a position of boom or bust. Uh, he had five receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown in that huge – crazy game against the Buccaneers in week four, and then he backed it up last week with a career-high seven catches, 136 yards on 11 targets against the Seahawks, and he was inches away from a touchdown, which would have been obviously a monster fantasy day. So, Brandon Cook's leaving that game with a concussion. Who knows if he'll play in uh, week six. He's got three documented concussions in the NFL, so maybe they take a little time to bring him back, and if he's absent at all in week six, I think uh, Everett's a guy I would look at. So, um, he played 81% of snaps in week five, which is a big number, yeah, uh considering it's uh him and Tyler Higbee, but certainly Everett is the fantasy guy and if those numbers continue to grow, uh he's a guy I'm looking at for sure.
1: Gerald Everett owned in six point seven percent. That's really high. You might
0: not be able to get right him down, actually, yeah. sorry. Uh, don't worry I don't about it. Think.
1: I think Will's being sarcastic. Uh, in terms of running backs, there's just not much out there. Edo Smith in Atlanta is interesting. Um, really, like Gus Edwards in Baltimore, but there's very little in terms of uh, the, uh, the former Boise State product, Alexander Madison in uh, Minnesota. I think a lot of people have eyes on him in terms of interesting because especially in a deep league if you're looking on the waiver wire at running backs you're going boom or bust or complete home run or nothing the guy that i think has got the best chance of maybe popping something is Edo smith in atlanta but i don't know i don't really like much of uh uh the running back waiver wire list when it comes to week number six so the waiver wire is open couple of texts at nine six oh nine six oh uh, on the quarterback front, Colt McCoy's playing Miami. Him and Scary Terry could make for a good pairing this week. I know Pinders enjoyed Scary Terry McLaurin this year. Uh so I'm not Colt and Terry Colt McCoy.
0: is a this uh
1: texture likes Colt and McLaurin as a stack. Uh this text I have Mayfield and Minshew and I don't think I'll be starting Baker anytime soon. Could probably drop uh, so. Baker actually. I don't really know why you'd be wasting a waiver, so a roster spot on him right now. Uh, and quickly, just before, because I know we're uh, we're running out of time. Uh, just quickly, uh, does Jim Pop work as a GM in the no, CFL again? No, he no, has no, been no, 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 no. Fired and replaced by Pinball Clemens in Toronto. I'm with you. I think that might be the end of the line for Jim Pop as a GM in the Canadian Football League. Okay, uh, we are live on location. Coming up on Friday, we will be live from Adrenaline Source for sports looking forward to it always good to get out to 9309 McLeod Trail South uh John and the gang at Adrenaline always treat us well and the best part about going to Adrenaline you always know that uh, you're going to get some ideas for Christmas at this time of year. Hockey season's underway. Stock up at Adrenaline Need Tape, Mouth Guard, Laces. How about an equipment deodorizer? It's your go-to for ringette sticks, uh, ringette sticks rather, and gear, floorball sticks, ball hockey sticks, and shin guards. They've got it all at Adrenaline Source for Sports. Join us on Friday from 1 until 6. This is the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
2: The Steinberg Show, brought to you by 5th Avenue Auto House. 5th Avenue Volkswagen is Calgary's new and pre-owned Volkswagen destination, rated number one in customer service in Canada. More at 5
0: Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on The Steinberg Show, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. What do we got, Will? Well, we talked about, you know, uh, the hockey game tonight Kings Flames in the early segment of this show today and Pat you kind of joked about the Kings and you know where they're at in their cycle in terms of winning and I certainly think they are a shell of what they had used to be in the NHL but tonight's game it's another chance for the Flames to build on their own game I guess we didn't really talk about it I'm sure you went in depth yesterday but what did you make of that 3 nothing shutter over the Canucks how did you like their game compared to Thursday and, and what are you looking for tonight as they All they talked about today in pregame audio was hoping to build off Saturday. So what do the Flames need to do tonight despite who their opponent might be in the lower end of things of the Kings?
1: Number one, I think that the way they defended in that game I was really impressed with. Um, So I think that even in that third period when the Canucks had the puck, basically the entire time. I still felt the Flames did a good job of defending intelligently. So that would be number one. Continue on that. And I think the biggest trend that needs to continue is the play of the top line. Sean Monaghan looks like the best Sean Monahan that we've seen. It's only two games, but that's a really promising trend. Johnny Gaudreau has never had five points in his first two games. Elias Lindholm looks like the same Elias Lindholm from last season. So I, I think there's been some steps forward, take, steps forward taken by this group. I think Gaudreau has been paying attention to the little things a little bit more. Monaghan's been engaged at both ends of the ice, and Lindholm's been the same strong two-way guy we know he can be. So that, to me, would be the biggest thing is continue that trend.
0: I know you talked about maybe not seeing the fit, and, and if I'm speaking wrong, then please correct me, but I believe you said you didn't really see the fit for the Sharks and Patrick Marlowe this season. They are 0-3. Joe Thornton talked about Marlowe this morning, said he should be playing somewhere. I expect he'll be somewhere soon. And Pierre Lebrun... Then followed up on that and said things are heating up on the Marlowe front. And the banged up Sharks are among the teams who have reached out to his camp. Could see a potential Marlowe reunion in San Jose after all. Your thoughts on that? And even if it's not with the Sharks, do you expect Marlowe to be in the NHL in the next couple of weeks?
1: So I I believe I've been on the... I've been on the train all along. The Sorry, Sharks. it was Pinder Should who was. It? Yeah, Pinder, Pinder was on the train. Pinder, okay. Pinder does not, I was on the other side. Right, right. I, I think that the Sharks and Patrick Marlowe make nothing but sense. Um, he's going to be cheap even if he plays in a line three, line four role and gets you 11 or 12 goals, that's still better than a lot of the guys they have playing in their bottom six right now. So I, I absolutely think Marlowe can still fill a role in this league. I don't think you want him playing in your top six, but if you can get him playing 11, 12 minutes a night as a third or fourth line winger and put him out in offensive situations, maybe some number two power play time. I still think that he can skate and I still think that he can, uh, he can score at a decent enough rate to play in the NHL. So that's where I am on Marlo.
0: We talked about at the very end of that segment, you asked me if Jim Pop's going to work again. Of course, he was fired by the Argonauts today. They are dead last in the CFL with a record of 2-12. and 12. They put Pinball Clemens in his place. If you're one of the six Argonaut fans on the planet, uh, Mr. Steinberg, what do you feel about this move? Because it's not like Pinball Clemens, who has worked in front offices before, But I don't know how much experience he has as a GM. I know he's got John Murphy there with him. But um, your thoughts on this move, and would you keep Corey Chamberlain going into next season?
1: I, I don't mind the move. I think that it was probably time to go in a different direction with Pop because this is two consecutive seasons of the Argos being really, really, really bad. Um, As for Corey Chamberlain, I'd give him another year, and I'd I'd see how he can mesh with pinball. I think there's two reasons why pinball's a good hire. Everything that I've heard is that he's a very, very good personnel man, uh, personnel man rather, and everybody says good things about him and number 2 that team needs a face nobody cares but people care about pinball clemens he was the top story on on tsn.ca today our shop, which basically never pays attention to the CFL, especially in Toronto. Uh, Sportsnet has picked this story up. So I think having pinball as the face of the team is a really good hire as well. So I like the hire, and I would keep Chamberlain for another year, see how he meshes with pinball Clemens. There you go, your three burning questions on a Tuesday afternoon. That'll do it for the Steinberg Show, brought to you by 5th Avenue Auto House on 16th Avenue and Barlow Trail Northeast. Well, I've got a question to ask about one of the longest-serving members of the Calgary Flames. I'll ask it to Mr. Pinder next. Pinder and Steinberg, minutes away. Sportsnet 960, the fan.
2: The Steinberg Show, brought to you by 5th Avenue Auto House. 5th Avenue Volkswagen is Calgary's new and pre-owned Volkswagen destination, rated number one in customer service in Canada. More at 5